Coming up on this week's episode of RSVP. It was like Armageddon in there. It was honestly carnage. We eventually had to get the security and close our gates. I'm literally just picturing it now and I actually feel like quite sick myself. Everyone yeah. knows what's happened. Like, and then you're probably going to be on there for like another four hours. It's time for a little RSVP, the show full of rants and stories, visions and pains and so much more with special guests and fun galore. Hotels, destinations, nightmares and dreams, confessions and everything in between. So sit back, relax, pour a wine or whiskey, get comfy, cause it's time for RSVP. Welcome back to RSVP, the podcast for event planners looking for inspiration, ideas and industry laughs. Today's guest is Jack Parton, who is the head of events at Birdhouse. Hello, Jack. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Really good, thank you. You're looking so snugly in your fleece and your gilet. Yeah, well, winter has arrived now, hasn't it? So especially when you're in an outdoor venue most of the time, it's, it's pretty much essential to be yeah, wrapped up warm. Definitely. I actually really like it when it's time to like dig out all of the scarves and all the woolly jumpers and the thick socks. It's kind of like after summer, autumn is definitely my favourite time of year. Yeah, you say that though. I feel like when I was like last Saturday, I was at our venue down in Peckham Arches and like the sun went in and it felt like winter arrived in that moment. Like uh-huh. as soon as the sun went, it was suddenly cold. And I've been saying for months that I was ready excited to get the layers out excited to be wintry again and as soon as it arrived I was like no I hate this I want, this I want summer back <laughs> I want summer back and now the days are getting shorter yeah especially at first especially in our industry as well because it's like the lower season it's a bit quieter you've just come off like a rush of a summer mm-hmm. and there's like a huge kind of like adrenaline drop as you get into winter you're like oh my god what are we going to do for the next like three months especially like January February so it's kind of like panicking a bit. Obviously, Christmas is just like mental for us. But like January, yeah. February becomes like such a quiet period where I get like a bit uneasy and it's dark. And I'm like, is something ever going to come back? But uh-huh. then it does. And then it's really busy. <laughs> and then I want winter again because it's nice and quiet. I can never win. Well, hopefully this <laughs> podcast is going to bring some sunshine to you as you talk about all of the things that you love about events. And hopefully also some sunshine for our listeners. So uh, let's go. So first up, we've got your industry rant, Jack, and I'm very excited to hear this because you seem like quite a passionate, fiery person, so <laughs> I'm just going to let you shoot with that. <laughs> sure, and no disrespect to everyone in my industry, but I feel like, so I organise a lot of parties, corporate parties, brand parties, all sorts, and probably, you know, you get a lot of tricky clients, you know, if it's a wedding, it could be, you know, you get a bridezilla or groomzilla, as I've got at the moment, not mentioning any names. Uh, but I think one of the most frustrating clients for me tends to be other hospitality businesses. So the first time I came across this was I was working in street food about like six or seven years ago now. And it was for, it was a thousand capacity party for a certain high street coffee and sandwich brand, which is a really good posh cheddar, cheddar and pickle sandwich, but I'm not going to name names. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no clues at all. No that. clues at all. No clues. You leave it to, to them to work out. So it was their party. Essentially, it was an open bar, open food, um, and they gave everyone basically monopoly money to spend. And that was the currency that we were taking. And, you know, in my head, it was the first time I'd really done like a party for another hospitality business. And in my head, I thought, this is definitely going to be like really nice. They obviously used to be treated like crap every day by people coming in. 
they're obviously going to appreciate fellow hospitality folk and be nice because I like to be nice when I go into a bar or restaurant mm-hmm. or even if I'm like talking to a KP who's like picking up my stuff from my table I like to be nice because I know what it's like they were like the opposite of that it was absolute carnage they were we went with a big food truck and they were like shaking our van they couldn't <laughs> queue properly which I guess for this particular brand isn't that surprising because the queues are always chaos in there but they just yeah they, they were just like shaking the van like shaking the monopoly money in our faces stealing other people's pizzas it was like armageddon and it was honestly carnage we eventually had to get the security and close our gates because people were just it was getting like almost violent over pizza sounds Um, like sounds like a millwall game yeah exactly no it was it was crazy it was like dropping a piece of food for ants on the floor and like (laughs) them all coming like that it was like that's the only way i can describe it it was the way they flocked and we had this new girl who just started and she was running the tails because that's the way you always start if you can make a pizza. Uh, and she was really struggling to manage this queue of row- rowdy baristas and everything and KPs and whatever they all, all were and chefs. Uh, so my boss turned to me and was like, all right, Jack, like, you manage the crowd, crowd. You do the tails for a bit because Emma's really struggling. So I was like, right, okay, I did it. Sort of went for my usual like sort of no bullshit approach to it. And it was just, it just it wasn't, it wasn't her fault at all. It was just like completely impossible because I tried so hard and I had to go like sort of primary st- school teacher mode and be like, if you do not get in an orderly queue, we are not serving you. So I literally had to like almost finger on lips style like you do at school in order to <laughs> get Iconic finger queue. on lips. <laughs> but I, I think it's just a thing. I've noticed it with other hospitality companies that have done events. I, I think when you're so, so used to... A, being on the service side of it and you're, you know, you're serving people drinks and a lot of times people can be pretty ungrateful or pretty presumptuous in terms of how easy they think your job is. You know, they mm-hmm. think, oh, you just work in a bar, like you're not very mm-hmm. skilled and they, people can talk down to you. And I think sometimes when people get in those, that situation and not everyone in the hospitality industry, I think most people are nice, but there's always a few who will in that situation turn around and take it as their moment of indulgence. They've obviously had loads of drinks. Most of these events will be open mm-hmm. bar, uh, and they will just sort of pig out on a moment to be dickheads I, to I, to, <laughs> to the people serving them. And like it just ba- it just ba- it baffles me. But like yeah, we've had a, I've had a few in the past where I've like had to say something the next day to the event manager, been like that was ridiculous. So if anyone's listening, sort your acts out, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Behave. <laughs> The next part of our podcast is the S for stories. So your first story, Jack, is your favourite destination. What do you have for us? So I think mine's probably, you know, I think most people probably choose hot places and fair enough. I'm probably stuck between two. One would be the Scottish Highlands. Uh, Me and my mates did a trip last year. It was really randomly organised. I've always wanted to do it and I just said I was going to do it. And I was like, if anyone wants to come with me, come with me. Eventually, like eight of my mates managed to get their act together to come, mm-hmm. and we were in three cars. We did so the whole Scottish, uh, like North Coast, essentially as a route called the North Coast Five Hundred NC Five Hundred, and we did that. And after like a really hectic summer of being in London and doing events, having that moment where we were just in the wilderness, there was like us and Highland cows, and just every <laughs> hill you'd go over, you'd be like, "This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen." And then you go over another hill, you'd be like, no, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it's, for me, it was, so, it was such a shock because I knew Scotland was beautiful. But like in my head, I felt like you have to go to like New Zealand to go get that. But mm-hmm. actually it's like, you know, you get a two hour, three hour train up to Edinburgh and then hire a car from there. We drove all the way, but you know, it's really accessible. And like 
and everyone's lovely and they're really friendly and they don't hate the English like everyone says they do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Scotland's a big one, but I like I like mountains in general. I find mountains. Mm -hmm. So I spent a month in uh, French Alps last year and that's another spot for me where it's just like relaxing, beautiful mm -hmm. and fun because you're skiing, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, it gives it, it sort of makes me whole again when I go to the mountains, mm -hmm. I find. There's something about that crisp air, isn't there? It's like so rejuvenating and it's like real mood booster as well, isn't it? Like when I, go, I prefer mountains to beach because when I go up there, something about the air, I just feel like euphoric. Yeah, and it feels super clear and you look over these views and it gives you kind of a bit of a perspective on how... I'm so small. Small you are, but it like, it's, it's quite humbling, I find. I like look, I'm like, okay, I'm small and it like my worries don't matter that much and these stupid things I've been stressing out and like getting bummed out on don't matter. And I find that like really like therapeutic being in the mountains, like going away. Just the idea of it right now is making me like desperate to go to the mountains and get out. But like... Yeah, that's 100%. I just find it like a very therapeutic place to be. And moving on to our next section, which is your favourite hotel story. Favourite hotel story. I think, I mean, we all had a bit of a bummer in lockdown if you worked in hospitality. Uh, I was severely unemployed. I'd actually flown back from Australia because of lockdown. I was living with my parents um, and I've got five siblings, uh, four siblings, so big family. They're all a lot older than me. They've moved out, they've got kids. So every other Christmas, there's a Christmas where it's just me, my mum and my dad. Uh, and it was 2020 Christmas and with like three weeks ago, we were just gonna have a really quiet one in London. My dad was like, the Seychelles just opened their border. We're gonna go, we're gonna get all the tests and we're gonna go. So we like very impromptu went to Seychelles. Uh, and for the first week, we weren't allowed to leave the hotel because of the like, COVID rules. You had to like eat, drink everything in the hotel. Uh, so my dad, like, just, we like we've never grown up doing posh hotels like ever. Mm -hmm. He's like, I guess, like he's nearly retired now. I think he's beginning to enjoy the finer things in life. Finally, after like grafting his ass off for uh, forty years as a lawyer, mm -hmm. um, and now he's like, okay, I want to do nice things. So he booked us into this five star hotel. So although we couldn't leave, we had a private gym, had a private mm -hmm. beach, private swimming pool, three restaurants, all amazing. It was just like a dream and. I had like a massive king size bed to myself. And all I did, I mean, I, I could show you a photo of the balcony view I had. I was working from home. I was doing some freelance work. Um, and I was working on my laptop with like this view of like palm trees, palm trees, and just like the bluest sea mm -hmm. ever. And I was like, okay, I could, I could get you. I've always thought like, oh, I'm a bit not, it's not like the five star lifestyle is not for me. And then I did it's that for and I was like, oh no, okay. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have a massage now. And then I'm gonna go to the gym, and then I'm gonna have a swim, and I'm gonna read my book, and then I'm gonna do a little bit of work. Oh, paradise. Life's hard, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was, honestly, yeah. Tough life, someone's gotta do it. Yeah, really, yeah. Like humbled me coming back to then England, being back in a lockdown, living on my own in my flat. Like, yeah, completely different scene. And now on to your favourite food experience. This is always a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one because my, as I said, my background is pizza. So there's part of me wants to say that like my pizza spots are the best, but I feel like everyone thinks their pizza spot is the best. So I'm not even going to suggest mine. I think as a vegetarian, in inverted commas, um, because I sometimes eat fish, the recommendation I would give in terms of in, in London in particular is a, is a restaurant called Bubula. Uh, there's two of them, there's one in Shoreditch and there's one in Spitterfields. And 
what I love about it, it gets into, you know, like the whole like small plates, orange wine scene that everyone thinks is super cool. Uh, and it does all that, but it does it without being pretentious. Like the food is amazing. So it's kind of Eastern Mediterranean, Middle Eastern kind of style mm -hmm. food. Um, they have big sharing menus. And if you go in there with a group, uh, it's 40 quid ahead for like the set menu. But if you go in a group and say like, we kind of want a bit of everything, they'll just sort that for you. Because it's, it's like, you know, the ve there's a vegan menu, there's a vegetarian menu, and you kind of want some stuff from the vegan stuff, even if you're vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So they'll just like mash it together for you and you'll get a bit of everything. And like sometimes you go to like these restaurants and the food's amazing, but you just want to smash a Mackey straight afterwards because you're still starving. <laughs> yes, a man after yeah. my own heart. You know yeah, that yeah. feeling, you're like, oh, that was so cool. Like, but the that, like, portions were one tiny. tiny like <laughs> lump of potato and it was like delicious, but you wished you had like 15 of them. Uh, and so, yeah, you go for a kebab or whatever. We do not need that with bubbler. With bubbler, you order your menu and you'll walk out like, uh, do you know what I mean when I say like curry house full? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like Uncomfortably like bring, full. Yeah, like bring your own booze, curry house with the boys, that kind of full. Yeah. And you come out, you're like, oh my God. But you feel like super content because it's mm -hmm. not like gross or like heavy or oily or like, yeah, it's not like eating like burger and chips. It's like you're eating, you've just eaten incredibly, but you're so full. And mm -hmm. it, that, so it makes it feel like really good value for money. And the reality is to be able to eat for 40 quid a head plus like 10 quid on drinks or something like that in London is, and eat really well is like, really good value in my head mm -hmm. especially when like you see some of the prices of like mangal 2 these days and that kind of thing where you're gonna spend like 150 mm -hmm. quid mm -hmm. just to go 100 percent moving on to vision which is your dream event no holds barred what would you do so i, I thought of a few different things i had like a more in my head I, like until like an hour ago i had like a very wholesome event but actually there's an event that i've always <laughs> now like, it's debauched no it's not it's not it's not it's more like i think i was like this is I can be a bit more ambitious than this. It was just like a, it was like a nice like friends and family thing. But I was like, no, nah, off. Let's go big. So I've always had this idea of like a festival, like a music festival, which brings all because everyone argues over what's the best festival, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been to a lot. I've worked at a lot. Uh, I have, and some people like small ones. Some people like massive ones. But this, the idea of this festival, I'm, I'm not sure where it would be. I think it should be in England because I feel like England is like the place for festivals in the country somewhere, and you have. All the biggest festivals curate one stage each. So like a Glastonbury stage, a Burning Man stage, a Notting Hill Carnival stage, and they all go as big as they want. It's, it should be like their equivalent of a main stage. So you've got like six main stages and they all have to like compete for their artists. If they want the same artists, it's fair game. And you essentially go and choose the best. You, like, you basically have the option of six festivals in one. Mm. Uh, and there's a winner at the end of it in some way. So like you're talking like all the, everyone like saying, oh, Glass is the best experience of my life. Boomtown was the best experience of my life. Bring them all together, put them in like one space mm -hmm. and then actually decide. And you give them like a field each and you have like six fields mm -hmm. and just like see what happens. I just think that would be really cool. I love that so much, but I want to know what would you call it? Would it be like Festival Fest, Festival Squared? <laughs> I don't know. You know, like have you seen School of Rock? Yes. Like, you know, Battle of the Bands. I feel like yeah, it's yeah. like, kind of like that, but like Battle of the Festivals. I don't know. <laughs> I think that'd be... Or like Festival Festival. Festival Fest. Festival yeah, Fest. Yeah. Fest Fest? <laughs> fest Fest, yeah, yeah. Fest Fest, perfect. Brilliant. And now moving on to our final section, which is the pain section. 
where I read you a ridiculous confession that we've been sent. They're always ridiculous. And you can react in whatever way you see fit. So, dear Charlotte, my favourite thing about incentive trips is the opportunity to be on a boat. I just love boats. You catch so much sunshine, top up your tan, and there's often champagne involved. I get to live my best Kardashian-esque life and pretend for an hour that I can actually afford any of this. After a fabulous first night barbecuing on the beach of a very exotic destination, which shall not be named, I woke up feeling super rough. They'd pretty much been an endless supply of fluorescent cocktails, super strong beers and dangerous wines on tap the night before. And I'm not one to look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> are you like that? If there's like loads of free booze, are you like, yes, keep coming? Uh, no self-control. I think I've learned my lesson on that one before <laughs> in the past. Yeah, it definitely would have been like a few years ago. But then, you you know, there's saying with like, part, like office parties, you have nothing to win. Yeah, everything to lose. So it's like <laughs> doesn't stop my. I'm pretty like, careful with it now because I just I've seen some people mess up. I've never messed up, but I've seen yeah. people mess up. So I'm but a bit I, more cautious than I used to be. I think it's like I think you get the lesson, but I don't know if people always learn it. So like for me, many many times I've had the lesson, but have I learned from it? Probably not. No. <laughs> Probably never. Although I was feeling ropey, the white sands and turquoise sea were calling me. Dressed in my most stunning bikini and all greased up with sun cream, I thought I was looking really hot despite hanging out of my ass. <laughs> Lovely. Setting sail, life was good, and I even decided to have a little hair of the dog to boost my energy. The boat was stocked up with champagne, so it would have been rude not to. Everything was great until we hit a choppy pan. As the waves rolled and the boat rocked, <laughs> reminds you of School of Rock for some reason. <laughs> I like that. I like that imagery. It's fast, it's very literary. <laughs> I let slip a boast about my iron stomach as some of the other delegates turned green. As time went by, however, I started to feel a little nauseous. Unlike me, but not really surprising considering how much booze I'd ingested. Oh, God. <laughs> As I started to dry heave, a kind fellow delegate came over to check on me. I repaid the favour by blowing chunks all over his lovely cream outfit. I'd had a hefty breakfast, so I'm not exaggerating when I say it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I'm literally just picturing it now and I actually feel like quite sick myself yeah the level nice. of description is yes, like yeah, is, <laughs> especially for like a food person you must just be like that is such an appalling waste of good food yeah i mean <laughs> i've also i've also a sailing person i used to yacht skipper quite a bit so oh. i know what being hung over on a boat can be like and it it really Brutal. does suck yeah like you think a hangover in bed is bad wait till yeah. you're doing it go over <laughs> choppy, choppy seas i actually been sailing in, in June of this year, and a mate of mine was yeah downstairs till five p.m. the next day, mm. look like an absolute wreck. So I, yeah, I can feel the pain there for sure. The pain is coming through their words. So they finish off by saying, "Of course, I was mortified. The delegate was disgusted, and the boat hadn't exactly got off lightly. No wonder <laughs> they call it a poop deck." Oh no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, I can't really give any advice off the back of that one. <laughs> Not really. No, no, no. No advice is needed. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, obviously the free booze is always tempting and you're on a boat and I get they're like getting carried away with it. But like, 
it's still like work like related like you're never that you're not that far away from like a boat is such a small place uh-huh. like there is no way to get off that once you're on it yeah. so you know you could have that behavior in a public place and go hide in your room there's like that's checkmate everyone yeah. knows what's happened like and then you're probably gonna be on there for like another four hours <laughs> like oh god i just yeah i'd be mortified in that situation like being able to hide yourself like a, after like mm-hmm. a like a company party or whatever or like a one night thing like you can just be like i'm not gonna go to the office for three days until but like in that situation you're just kind of stuffed aren't you yeah that's it the longest stretch of shame ever yeah 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 walk of shame (laughs) but i guess everyone else was rolling around feeling sick as well so maybe it kind of flew under the radar a bit (laughs) we can only hope so (laughs) yeah for her sake my feeling is always like I want to know more. You can't stop the story here. What happened after? But sadly... Yeah, who cleaned it up? Like, yeah, what? Yeah, all yeah, those yeah. kind of things. We'll never know. We'll never <laughs> ever know. <laughs> Jack, thank you so much for being a fabulous guest no and worries. being so talkative and having so many great stories for us. It was a pleasure to have you. No worries at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you.